Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,282. My automotive knowledge and background opened doors, and then it was up to me to make sure I could get through them. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am excited and revved up to introduce today's very special guest calling in from... Now, you got to say this name for me, Bob. This is a very... <laughs> Port Hainimi, right? Port Wainimi. Wainimi. I want to say that H every time I say it. Wainimi. All right. Bob, back. Bob, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. I've got a five-point Simpson harness on. We're ready to go. All right. I'll try to keep it out of the ditch here today. Bob Beck is a lifelong automotive enthusiast who has built vehicles that gained prominence in automotive magazines, shows, and books. His career after college started as a high school auto shop instructor. Later, he worked for major vehicle manufacturers at the corporate level, including BMW, Nissan, Isuzu, General Motors, and most recently as the collector car representative for AAA in Southern California. Bob has been an NHRA drag race announcer at multiple tracks over the last 40 years, and he's been an announcer for the California Hot Rod Reunion and Holly National Hot Rod Reunion for the past 20 years. He's a regular contributing personality at Speed Scene Live TV, and he does guest spots on the nationally syndicated Horsepower for an hour radio show and on Talking About Cars with Randy Cardoon, who's a future guest here on Cars Yeah. I was lucky enough to be on their show during the Classic Auto Show in Costa Mesa. That was a lot of fun. Bob is also the host of the Great American Auto Scene Show. So, Bob, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment, share a little more about your career and your very obvious passion for automobiles? Well, yeah, I'm a, a definite automotive enthusiast. started with model cars and when I could first buy a magazine and when they had the little pages of, uh, of the hot rodding magazines, that was my allowance. I got 25 cents a week and that's what it would go to. So I got involved in that way, and I was the only one in my family, and still the only one in my family other than my my youngest son, that's a car enthusiast. But it it ranged from model cars to slot cars, and I still race slot cars. Full-size cars, but the first car I built was in high school. I was an auto shop major. I'm still friends with the the guy who was doing the student teaching at that point in time. So dating back to the 1960s when I was in high school, and I still have friends from those days. We cruised Van Nuys Boulevard, which is the, the major cruising area in the Southern California or the San Fernando Valley area, and still do. We've reopened that cruise night up uh, once a month, so I go out to that when I can. Very cool. This sounds like a lot of fun. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get those inspirational tires smoking here on Cars. Yeah, so Bob, take the wheel. People told me, you know, do this because you know you can do it. And I've always said, yeah, well, I'm going to try it. I'm not going to do what I'm told I can do. I'm going to do what I want, what I think I feel I should do. Uh, An example, when I was in elementary school, we took a test, an an aptitude test. They told me to become a truck driver. I was able to grow up and help drive a truck manufacturing company called General Motors, a little little company like that. So I, I took it. 
as a grain of salt, yes, I had knowledge of something, but what else can I use that knowledge for? And that led me to become an auto shop teacher early on and then work through the announcing part. A lot of uh, what I did in getting through the men, getting into the manufacturers was not necessarily what my education was because my, my degrees in broadcasting and it's nothing to do with automotive, but my automotive knowledge and background opened doors. And then it was up to me to make sure I could get through them. You know, those aptitude tests or whatever they called them back then, I always think that is a, is a huge disrespect for some people because it slots you in at a very young age into some area that you may think, oh, that's all I'm good at. And you can't see past that. On the flip side, you know, when teachers tell kids they're really good at something, that can lead to great things. My wife was very shy in school, but she was very smart. She is very smart. She married me, right? So, but she's a. Uh, very good at mathematics. And she had a teacher in junior high say, you are really good at math. You should be an engineer. Well, she never thought that she was very good at math. She just liked it. And lo and behold, she ended up being an engineer. But yeah, slotting people into categories at a young age, I, I've never really liked that. Um, I'm glad that you broke out of that that phase and moved on. Let's go back in time. You, know, you touched on this a little bit early on. That passion that instigated your, or that moment, I should say, that instigated your passion for cars, is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were pretty much destined to be a car guy for the rest of your days? Yeah, kind of. I, when I was five years old, I got the chance to ride in my cousin's Triumph TR3. That may not seem like much to anybody. It's a sports car, and it was a very popular sports car at the time from Great Britain. I couldn't see over the dashboard, but the sounds, the vibrations, the feeling, I knew I loved that. Then my neighbor next door bought a Porsche Speedster, and I was in love with it. My first love was sports cars. The magazines didn't highlight much sports cars. They were into hot rodding. So I started getting involved in both. And that's one of the things that has distanced me from a lot of friends is that I have no specific target automobile. If it's got wheels and it's a car, it's fair game. Whether it's American or Japanese or British, they can all have an American touch to them. And Shelby proved that with the Cobra and the uh, Tiger. Now, here's cars from outside the USA with a little hot rod ingenuity, and they became classics. It's the same thing. Hot rodding is hot rodding, whether it's a, a Japanese spec car or an American spec car. The, the yeah. simple modifications are the same. No, I love it. Those those cars you mentioned are great. It brings to mind the Pantera, the Mangusta, where you've got beautiful Italian lines and design and some American muscle under the hood, uh, some iron under the hood, if you will. And and they did that with the uh, a few other cars in the in the later future. But I have the same saying. It is, if it rolls on rubber, I like it. I love it. So uh, <laughs> it sounds like we share. Yeah, well, you and I spoke. You and I spoke when we were in Costa Mesa about uh, your love of Porsches. I have a. I like Porsches. Don't get me wrong; they're great cars, and I've never had the opportunity to own one. I've driven a few, and they are impressive. I like the the raw, gutsy cars. I like the MGs, the Triumphs. I have had a, a number of Datsun five tens that I autocrossed, and I've had other cars that are just. They're not the norm. I don't necessarily gravitate to the most popular. I gravitate to what I feel good in. Uh, I had the opportunity, a friend of mine worked for one of the leading magazines, and it was the introduction of the C4 Corvette. And he asked me over. I had no idea why. And this was before the, the car was actually released. 
and he opens the garage door, and there's this amazing car. Because in 1983, that was a spectacularly uh, built car. He tosses me the keys, and I'd been running SCCA and uh, what we called SICSIC, or Southern California Council sports car clubs events here in Southern California. And I go, really? And I took him for a ride. He said, take me for a ride. We went up in the canyons. And I was two to three times the posted speeds. He says, wow, this thing really handles. I said, I found my limit a long time ago. This car's got a lot more than I have. And when I had the first opportunity, I bought one. And uh, I have another one today. So in fact, I've got two. But it's, uh, it's a car that's it's not sophisticated by today's standards. It's a bald drive yeah absolutely so bob what i want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down kind of crawl under the hood get our fingernails a little dirty and talk about a big challenge or a big failure that you faced along the way and the reason i like this question is it teaches those out there that might be facing similar things that there is a way forward so walk us through one of those tough times and tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your career and your business and your life well as a young kid you you always have the uh, infallibility aspect. And uh, I was driving. I was 17 years old. I had a Simca, uh, a Runde, a sedan. Loved that car. It was great. It was the first car I ever had that would go around the corner. It handled just great for a 17-year-old. It didn't stop quite so good. And I decided, I met a Buick at about 15 miles an hour. Well, I, I took it upon myself that, well, we can't fix this. I'll buy a body and I'll switch over the parts. That was way, I was way over my head at 17 years old. Uh, I went to, but it got me a job at a gas station because the gas station I was buying gas from was letting me do the work there myself. They saw what I could do. I didn't finish the car. Someone bought it before I could finish it, but they hired me to work in the gas station. So one failure led to a start of a success. It gave me the mechanical background and I got training not only in school, but at the gas station, you know, at hands-on level in a commercial operation. That allowed me to decide that it's not what I wanted to do for a living, but I did want to teach people how to do it. And when I had the opportunity, that's when I became a teacher. From a teacher, it went to other aspects of it. I started racing. I started autocrossing. Went up to the timing and scoring tower and tried to find out what my lap time was. And the guy that was reading off lap time said, I got to go run my car, handed me a microphone. I said, okay, but I'm not going to read off times. I know the guys that are driving, and I know what they're going to do in that turn. So I started talking about that. A guy from behind walks up and says, how'd you like to get paid to do this? And that's how I started announcing. That also led me to writing a column for a newspaper. Then they went to, they wanted me to cover an opening racetrack in Palmdale, California. It was called, Los, at the time, Antelope Valley Raceway. I introduced my show, myself, showed my press credential. They sent me up to the tower. The guy says, don't you announce the motor across at the fairgrounds i go yeah here and he gave me the microphone and it's been that way ever since and that started in 1974 back when i was just a youngster oh that's a cool story you never know where opportunities may lead you if you just take them now a simca interesting i had an experience with a uh, if you remember the car it was never imported here matra simca i think it was a bugari bugari um it had a seat in the middle yes which, yeah, which was really a, a, what is this thing? A guy that I worked for when I was delivering furniture in high school bought one and imported it over here. Um, I'd never seen anything like that before. So, uh, yeah, Simca, there's a name that uh, a lot of Americans over here probably don't know about. Car people will, of course, but uh, 
because they didn't bring a lot of those over. How how did you get a Simca over here? It was already over. And at one point in time, Chrysler was actually bringing them in as their compact car. Very low sales. This was a a run day. It was a rear-wheel drive, four-door sedan. And then I got the two-door hardtop, which was kind of neat. One of the things my mother didn't like about the hardtop is the front seats folded down completely flat, kind of like an American motors car. So it was one big bed. So at 17 years old, she was not happy about that. (laughs) Nor nor were the fathers of the dates you picked up either, by the way. That's true, but it got worse because I bought a van later on. Oh, no. Gosh. (laughs) But yeah, I... I found that it, it happened to be at that gas station that I went to work for. And at the time, $100, it had a rebuilt engine. The potty work was good. The paint was faded. I polished that out, you know, learned how to, how to color sand and polish. And this thing looked beautiful, looked brand new. That's got me my first import. And I went from a 49 Dodge, which was my first car, to the Simca. And it was like, wow, what a difference. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, let's talk about a first car, but I want you to talk about a first car that was really special for you. Now, it could have been that first car, could have been a car you saved up for, and maybe share a couple memories about that ride. I had so many cars, well over a 100, uh, but the car that I tried to find and luckily did was the TR3, like my cousin had given me a ride in, and I bought a TR3. We had a, a newspaper in the Southern California in the San Fernando Valley. It was called the Valley Green Sheet, and it had a section that said nothing over for $25. I found the TR3, and I was blinded by the fact it was a TR3. I bought it, a rebuilt engine. It needed body work. I learned how to do body work. I got the car painted, and I had my first sports car. And that was the inspiration. It was from my cousin. And I even I hadn't seen my cousin or talked to him in years. I sent him a picture and contacted him and said, look, this is the influence you had on me. <laughs> yeah. This is what started it all. That's it. We share something there, Bob, because the car that started for me was a 49 MGTC that my father had when I was about five years old. So I think that's where I got bit. Yeah. My my father wasn't a a car guy. He was a truck driver and tried to steer me away from all things automotive because he didn't want me to follow the same path as he did. And I didn't. Uh, I I never driven trucks for a living, uh, but I couldn't stop the passion for driving. And yeah. I, I've had multiple TR3s, TR4s, GT6s, MGs, Jaguars. I've had every car that I've ever wanted to in my life. I may not have had nice. them for very long, but I had them. And uh, as, during college, that's how I it kind of paid my way through school. I bought and sold cars. But I only nice. bought, I bought the cars that I wanted to have as my own. It wasn't intentional that I was going to sell them, but it just worked out that way because I'd clean them up, make them look good. And then someone would walk up invariably at school and go, hey, that's nice. Want to sell it? Okay, <laughs> sure. Go. And yeah. that ended up paying my rent and my tuition and things of that nature. Nice. I love it. Great story. Well, how about seller's remorse? Is there one vehicle out of the 100 plus you've owned that you really wish you had back? Can you pick just one? I sure can. I had a 1951 Buick Woody station wagon that I bought in an estate sale. I paid $400 for it and drove that thing for a year uh, and got short of cash. And I wasn't going to drive it without insurance. I was ethical back then, too, and sold it. A week later, I got the money that would have paid for the insurance, but the car was already gone. And that's uh, one of those, you know, the cars, that's the one I wish I had back. Yeah. Ah, nice cars. Well, let's talk about. Today and this year, and what has you excited and fired up about your career? What are some of the things you're doing now that uh, 
have you really excited? You alluded to the fact that Randy and I interviewed you at a car show last week, and, and Randy and I have teamed up in a number of instances at car shows, and he has his podcast called Talking About Cars, and I've got mine called gas the great american auto scene and we have teamed them both up together mine's more of a video format his is an audio format but we co-host each other's shows from time to time and we're getting to meet some exciting people we got to meet you uh we interviewed a lot of the people that were on stage with you uh from mm-hmm. the motor trend channel uh last yeah. year we did the same thing at their show that was at the los angeles convention center and it opened the doors to us to actually meet the guys that we're idolizing on TV. We may be old, but guys, we're still enthusiasts. And these people on the Motor Trend channel are real enthusiasts. Well, we yeah. got to meet them. We got to talk with them. We got to joke with them like we did with you. We got to tease. And it has made friendships. The, the people that we had looked up to, in an extent, we've gotten to meet. And that just is not just on the television shows. NHRA history makers, Tommy Ivo, Don Perdome, NASCAR people. Uh, it's it just the doors open and we have met so many great people that have made history and have knowledge that we only were able to read about as kids. Yeah, it's tremendous what you're doing. I had so much fun on you guys show. I, I thought it was a great format. And all the different people that I got to interview at the Classic Otter show were fantastic. As you mentioned, a lot of them are Motor Trend Television. Where can people find your show? What's the best way for them to source you and listen to your show? My show is on gotgas.com. And it's it's an audio, it's a television format. We do it in a formal studio. We also do it on Facebook. So it, it gets shared directly to Facebook as well. They're kind of like a simulcast. And then yeah. from time to time, I'll do live like Randy and I were doing live uh, from the Classic Auto Show. It's amazing the technology. Our telephones are better camera than the video cameras we used to have. I know. It's incredible. I'll make sure I put a link to that on Bob's Cars Yeah show notes page so you can uh, watch that. Catch his show. I think you're going to find it be great fun. Well, Bob, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah. And I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week. Thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. 
Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars yeah website at carsyeah.com. Hey, Mark Green here from the Cars Yeah podcast. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? That's right. Cars Yeah is now on MAV TV. I visit some of the past Cars Yeah guests and take you along for the ride. Go to MavTV.com to learn more where you can enjoy Cars Yeah TV. Mav TV is also available on DirecTV, Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through MavTV.com online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, Bob, we are back, and I have a very introspective question for you. You, you and your uh, cohort there when I was at the Classic Auto Show had a lot of great questions for me. Here's one that maybe you've never heard before. If you woke up tomorrow and you were manifested into a vehicle, not what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself as a vehicle, what would Bob be and why? <laughs> yeah, um, definitely wouldn't be a Ferrari. I'm not that svelte. Um, <laughs> probably a some sort of sport sedan. Okay. I, I'm comfortable. And why is that? I'm comfortable. I, I still handle relatively well. I get reasonable good gas mileage, and I'm fun. <laughs> nice answer. Very well done. Well, we are entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. Well, what's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Best automotive ad- advice is never drive over your head. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Keep it under control. Yeah. Did you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Read a lot. I keep informed. I have 22 magazine subscriptions, and I can't say I read every page or every one, but I read the highlights, and I read and keep myself informed about what's hot, what's not, and what's going to be, and what could be. Yeah, excellent. How about a resource? Speaking of magazines and things, is there a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners that you find really compelling? You know, the internet is great. I still like hard print, but the internet, I use the internet quite a bit. And when I was working in the capacity in the collector car business, the internet was instrumental in giving me information about other vehicles. And there were sites. One of the best, best sites for me was one called Concept Cars with a Z. This gave history, values, and actual auction pricing, what has sold, what hasn't sold. And we talked with uh, the guys from some of the leading uh, auctions about vehicle values and how some people get really disappointed. And some people think they've got a million-dollar car because, well, it just needs paint. It'll be fine. I just saw one sell. This will give you an actual history of 10 years back of what those cars have sold for and based on condition as well. Very cool. Concept cars with a Z. I like it. Now, if I could wave my magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, <laughs> living or deceased, who would it be? Gosh, probably John DeLorean. Ooh, I, yeah. I got to briefly meet him at one point in time when his when he was starting up DeLorean, but he was a character. You know, he, he was one of those uh, outlaw characters. He worked within the confines of the structure and uh, kind of bounced against the walls, bending all the walls a bit. And I like that. Yeah, I had a very interesting guest on my show. You might want to go back and listen. Barry Wills. Uh, He's from England. He wrote a book called John DeLorean and Me. And he was basically the first employee that John hired and the last guy to turn the lights out when they liquidated the company. And he wrote a book about that entire ordeal. It's fascinating. It's an insider's guide through John's life as part of the DeLorean Motor Company. 
yeah, fascinating read. Well worth picking up uh, if you want to learn the real stories, get through all the extraneous hype that was created around all that that the media loved to exploit uh, and learn what really, really happened there. Very fascinating. But yeah, John Lorian. Yeah, I wish he was still with us. I could have yeah. him on this show. That'd be fascinating. Of course, the uh, basically the guy that started the, it all with muscle cars with yeah. the GTO. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, give the guy some credit. <laughs> yeah, we when I got to meet him, I was working for BMW, and we had just cleared out our upstairs in our warehouse and moved it out to a, a bigger location. But we kept a corporate office operating downstairs, and John needed a place to operate DeLorean. And he was negotiating with us to basically lease out the second floor. And at the time, he brought in the production, the pre-production DeLorean and the concept car. The concept car was a much better car than what actually went into production. It was a true mid-engine, not a rear engine. It was smaller. They were just beautiful cars anyway. But the, the concept car really should have, should have been the car. They, they made yeah. some concessions to costs and manufacturing procedures. Wow. Fascinating. Well, I mentioned that book by Barry Wills, DeLorean and Me. Is there another book you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, I've got a library of about four or 500 books. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, like me. Uh, they're just interesting. Uh, there's not one specific one. Like I said, uh, my automotive interests vary. I've got everything from marquee books to the 50 years of Hot Rodding Magazine. And I've got a few books that, that stuff I've been in that, that I've looked at. And I find things like that all the time. A buddy of mine called me up and said, hey, your car's in a book. And I go, really? And nice. we're at Hot August Nights. And just as I was going underneath the big the sign, the big Reno sign that says, you know, this biggest little town in the West, whatever it says, they caught a picture of my car and us going through. And you can tell, you know, it's me and so forth. But uh, it, it just, you never know. And yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> I know it's hard to choose. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do is I'll list that book by Barry Wills under your yeah, show notes page, because I think that's a book that uh, people would enjoy reading and definitely you would enjoy it as well. Well, listeners, you can find all these great links on Bob's show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. Type in Bob Beck, B-E-C-K, and that page will pop right up. All right, Bob, we're up to the last question, and this can be a bit of a doozy for a car guy like you. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world today, but there's a couple rules to this game. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. I want you to drive it. No garage queens. And here's the catch. It's the only collector car you can have in your garage. So choose wisely. Mm. 1946 to 48 Ford Woody station wagon. <laughs> we're back to the Woody, huh? Yeah, yeah we definitely <laughs> are. Uh, my, my wife has a 46 Ford. That's her her hot rod. I Hang around with the Santa Barbara Woody Club guys when I can. I go to their shows, and I really want a Woody uh, station wagon. There you go. We won't go there. <laughs> nice nice segue. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'll get to work on that. There's so many great ones out there. I mean, some really, really cool cars. Uh, I'm sure I can find you something very nice to uh, park in your garage and enjoy on the Coast Highway there in California. Bob, exactly. you've taken me on a great ride. You're welcome. You've taken me on a great ride today. Really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. And again, thanks for having me on on the show when I was down there in Costa Mesa. That was great fun. Did you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 46 Ford Woody station wagon? Always enjoy what you're driving. Yeah, absolutely. And what's the best way, again, for our listeners to follow along with you and enjoy what you're up to? Well, Bob Beck on Facebook. Or Great American Auto Scene, GAS, G-A-A-S, on Facebook. Awesome. I'll make sure I put links to those 
on Bob's show notes page. Enjoy what Bob's doing. I think you're going to have a lot of fun listening to him and what he's up to. A great guy to follow. Definitely a hardcore car guy, having met him in person. A lot of my guests here, I don't have the pleasure of meeting in person, but it was a real pleasure to spend some time with you down there at the Classic Auto Show. Thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your many experiences with the listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. Take care. You too. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.